1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out. I feel him out. And uh, we go for it.
2: Push the tempo, push the tempo, push the tempo. Push the tempo, push the tempo, push the tempo. Push tempo. Push the tempo, push the tempo, push the tempo. Push the tempo. Push the tempo.
3: And share what your mama gave you. with what your mama gave you. Hello and welcome to the worst idea of all time secret season at numero four. We've recorded these episodes. Heading to what? What? Five. What do you mean five?
2: This is the fifth episode.
3: Oh, I said seasons. The fourth season, fourth secret ah. season. Oh, We've well, hidden away in a sake. cupboard. Why That's right. I mean, listen, mate. Here's are for listening. So you got two of those in one mouth and a microphone. That's right.
2: And I'm gonna use. I'm gonna abuse the the sweet powers uh, that you know our Lord and Savior God has given me by uh, using my ears to listen to the happenings of Sex in the City, using my eyes to watch what happens, and using my mouth to describe my experience to you, Tim Batt, who is essentially a proxy for our listener. Uh, How are you, Tim? Tell me about your life. Guy Montgomery,
3: I'm oh so good. Before I get on to my life, I'd just like to take this opportunity, because we really do it, to uh, welcome in new listeners, if this is your first go around here i'd like to explain what we do here at worst idea enterprises and that is guy montgomery and myself timothy andrew bat watch and review a film uh ad nauseum that's kind of the whole that's the ticket that's the whole thing that's the show we've done a whole year of grown ups too then we did sex in the city too then we did we are your friends now here we are with sex in the city how many episodes of this do you think we'll we'll get through
2: it's hard to say this one's a, a bit of a doozy I think we'll get through many, many, many episodes. Uh, so this, this this week's episode is slightly unique. There's probably been a, a pretty substantial laydown period. Uh, Tim, you, you've been on a honeymoon? This is the beautiful thing about recording them all in
3: secret. There will be no exposure to the lag uh, for you, the good listener. But yeah, I've been away for like three weeks. I've been out of the goddamn country, away from my home away from solid internet connections, and most importantly, away from the gals.
2: Yeah, and uh, while you were away, we did actually schedule an episode. Um, yes. I think while you were in, in Bali, Indonesia. That's right. That's uh, right. And I, was, uh, I did my due diligence. I watched the film. I made my notes. Uh, and I showed up for game day. And uh, you, due to some sort of programming error, um, did not... I didn't even bring my boots. No. You
3: were on the field doing. You were warming up your hammies, just waiting for the rest of the players to take to the pitch. I was in the dressing room. What do you call it on a sports field? yeah, you, uh, you got it. It's called a dressing the room. The, yeah, I was yeah. in the dressing. <laughs> Looked at my pack and my boots weren't even in there, mate. I had a Gatorade and that was it. Yeah, I hadn't.
2: I hadn't brought the movie with me. Is what I'm trying to get well, at. and... That, is, um, that leaves us in quite the unique position now whereby uh, we're, we're recording. I've watched the movie probably about a week ago now. You've watched the movie incredibly recently. And I figured because it almost felt disingenuous, it's uh, it's 7.30 a.m. here in New York City. Uh, I woke up at sort of 6.45 and have just been watching a grab bag of moments uh, from Sex in the City. To be honest, quite a liberating experience because you don't need to suffer through anything that you're feeling is particularly painful. You can just dance around it, but I'm um, also still obviously not not ideal circumstance for an early morn. Uh, but I, you know, I feel our our respective uh, takeaways and experiences with the movie on this episode will be quite unique. Also, I awoke to uh, a few messages from you describing mm. scenes as bonus content.
3: Absolutely, I had accidentally been watching a version that neither of us have seen before and there are there isn't that much extra content there's just two small scenes i'm going by memory now guy which i'm, I'm famed for my good memory like
2: an elephant my memory uh, is. I, so hold on but before i, I i've got yeah. them up in front of me so i can jog your memory mm-hmm. as necessary you for four weeks that you purport to have watched a version of this movie that has for no apparent reason just edited out two sort of 45 second scenes well, hold on is your did
3: you these scenes that I described had you seen them every week? Wow, So we'd actually been watching different versions of the movie and didn't even what, know Is that's it possible that, that's happened?
2: Is it possible that you've just missed these scenes?
3: Fuck man, I actually thought that when I watched them, but then there was there was two, so I was like, no
2: this can be it that's possible so the scene the first scene that you, you messaged you wrote this you said dude I've just watched a different cut of the movie I mean I can sense the excitement at your you know discovery there's a scene with Carrie or treating with Rose and Runkle and Charlotte so what do you you want to tell me about that scene Runkle is dressed
3: as uh, what's his name from the Adams family
2: Uncle Fester Lester Fester, Fester.
3: that's right He's Uncle Fester, and uh, Charlotte hasn't really gone to much effort. She's just sort of a cat. She's kind of phoning
2: it in with some she's little pointy
3: ears. Is she?
2: She's in a huge cow costume. She's got a giant yeah. udder on her front.
3: Might have only seen that but once, you know? It just But flashed it's on super screen. recently, and you were so excited. <laughs> I, thought, I thought she was a cat, because she's got little pointy ears on. Um, but yeah no. Yeah, I, I, look, I want you to it's
2: fine I want you to dig up that uh, I'm actually gonna while you describe the scene I'm gonna find that and I'm gonna send you a screenshot because the idea that sure. that represents a cat to you is absolute fucking madness the other scene
3: which uh, um, wasn't in the previous four watches that I had and Guy can I also say that I watched the movie one and a half times today because <laughs> I had a half time penalty to catch up on because um, I, I, I was sort of asleep you're a During generous a man.
2: one, I never caught back up. Can you also tell me, Tim, what Rose is dressed as, if you can remember? No. No,
3: no recollection of what Rose is dressed as. She's it's Cinderella. Yeah. yeah more or less the same. She thing. does say... She says that to Carrie. She says she's going to go as Cinderella, which I also think was edited out. Anyway, the other bit that, that was new this week, this episode, this watch was a call from uh, uh, Stanford uh, Stanford that Carrie receives. He is the gay best friend to Carrie Bradshaw, and he gives her a ring on New Year's Eve, and they're both very sad. He's sitting in a packed bar, but he's kind of just by himself having a drink, being lonely, and Carrie has recently been broken up with uh, from Monsieur Big. You've yeah. sent me the screenshot there. I have. Oh, I just, I just, I just, oh, just cannot conceive
2: of a world where anyone would think that this is le- This is not a cow. Even if you only saw it in your periphery, it is just the
3: so. Guy, g- give me a fucking break, would you, mate? What's happened is I've captured like a loose bit of imagery in my head. I've seen the ears. It's not like I saw that on screen and went, "Oh, look at that black and white cat." I clearly knew it was a cow at the time. I haven't stored that in there because there's important shit in my brain, mate. Didn't want to gunk can't... it up with the specific
2: outfit that Charlotte's in. No, you, you, you're. Um, I don't know. I it, it's just it is unfathomable. To, like I can't imagine anyone else in the world making this error. It is so. It's a memory test for Christ's sake. It's not important, guy. It's you're not dwelling memory... on the wrong issues here. It's not a memory test. It's a cat. I mean, I remember because you said she's gone to no effort. You didn't go to any effort in assessing your costume. Look at the udder. It's a big udder.
3: It is an udder. What do you want from me, guys? See, it's a cow. I'm sure I saw it was a cow at the time. But my memory took a little snapshot okay. and just threw you You're right. It's I'm like, making too much out of this.
2: Uh, and so these two scenes that you observed for the first time, reportedly this week, did they add anything? Did they take anything away? Absolutely not. And I can absolutely appreciate
3: why the editors in my version that I've been watching the previous four weeks decided to get rid of them.
2: I, These just think those, in I think that you are those editors and your patchy memory is uh, who you are giving big ups to right now. I don't think
3: so. Because the version of uh, the movie that I saw this week is, I think it's one that you put me onto, as it were. Uh, in the previous four weeks was one that I found by
2: myself, as it was. <laughs> i like the idea of me putting you onto my sex in the city guy <laughs> yeah my guy's got the best stuff man pure you're
3: in new york there's a guy for everything absolutely a guy for all seasons in all occasions
2: uh so you've seen one and a half times worth of sex in the city tim what do you think of it uh pretty bad still well actually i don't know it's not even
3: it's not even that bad really i just don't enjoy it you know and there's a difference between those two things I was talking to, uh, to someone today actually. I was, I was just at a pub quiz because I'm taking over from my friend who hosts a couple of pub quizzes. He's away for five weeks. So I'm going to host his quizzes. So I went and did the quiz by myself and had uh, a conversation with the Do you know what? Not as shit as I would have thought, but he did write a whole round which was Tim Bat or Batman, uh, where every question was just a fact, which was either about myself or Batman, and all the teams had to pick. But I struck up a conversation with a woman, and uh, hey, Tim. J- we ended up joining Tim. teams. Yeah, nice. No, we. D- she she was uh, just having a drink, but she joined in on the quiz dude, with me, so dude, I had a teammate. Dude. Nice. And uh, where was I going with this? Oh, I think, think we know where you were me. going with this. She, I, I. I... Ended up telling her about the podcast, and she was oh, like, But Sex dude, in the City's dude, good. Dude, nice. <laughs> it was a question. It was either Bruce Wayne or I uh, had created a podcast that had been downloaded millions of times, and everyone had to guess if it was Batman or Tim Bat. At any rate, um, but she was like, But Sex in the City's good. And I was like, The show's good. The movies are hot garbage. The first one's bad. The second one's even worse. She said, Yeah. Long way around, and I think you're to blame for that, Guy. Hey, dude,
2: that anecdote was nice. Uh, Never hated you more. Oh, that's not true. I'm sure that there's uh, audio reference of you hating me. I remember (laughs) an episode that I recorded from Edinburgh, and you were in Auckland. I think you were heartbroken on your birthday, and I arrived late. And in the back of my mind, while I don't remember the invective directed towards me, I'm fairly confident that was as much as you've hated me. In either of our lives. Is episode 27 of season one, <laughs> I think. Yeah, you remember. Um, hey, if you don't mind me, I'm just going to open up a lovely a lovely uh, can of La <laughs> Croix. La Pop- Croix. I like that you panned the camera down
3: so professionally. Pop- and now I've got a lovely La Croix with your hairy chest as a backdrop. I'm loving every bit of it. The flavor?
2: Pompla Moose. What is that? I think it's grapefruit, but it doesn't taste like what it says it tastes like. It tastes like, you know, I I, don't think the reference in America is Powerade. Oh no, Gatorade. But you know when you like, you have a Powerade and then you use the bottle as a water bottle and you fill it up with water and then it just forever tastes slightly like what was in it before? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that someone put a whole fucking grapefruit in this can and then took it out and then they've just started putting water in it and that's what we're drinking. But this is this is also like the eighth or ninth time it's been
3: refilled. That's what La Croix is for me. There was yeah. something in this eight or nine recycles ago and uh, it was and pretty flavorful.
2: Do you not think if the if the gals were still palling around today, they'd have a lucrative deal with La Croix?
3: Not a doubt in my mind. It's exactly the brand. Mate, I've, got, I've taken a few notes. Um, which end of the pool would you like me to dive into?
2: Because we've got a deep end and we've got the shallows. Uh, why don't we start in the shallow end and we'll slowly lose our footing as we wade into the murky depths. Smith Garrett
3: takes his breakup after five years in getting his beloved through chemo like a champ. I know we've referenced this before, but the man takes it square on the chin
2: oh i cannot believe you're telling me this i tried to champion smith garrett to you uh you know and you're you saying no. Nah, you're having none of it you're thinking it's no good and now you're going to come in here and suddenly share share an observation and feeling that i've been trying to fucking force upon you
3: i his... I, I, I can't remember the exact of the convo but i don't think i would have discredited your claim that he takes the relationship breakup well it's the fact that he's a real jerk on Valentine's Day itself, which is the straw that breaks the camel's back between he and Samantha, as
2: we all know. I don't think that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. I think that relationship, Samantha is already emotionally checking out of that relationship. Valentine's Day or no. Uh, she's got a wandering eye. She knows as much. She can say talk about it openly with her friends, but it's not until they give her the encouragement to break up with him that she realizes she needs to be on her own. I mean, the the, the but sushi. She, she made an effort. It's that point in the relationship
3: where you make that last gasp effort to try and win it all back. You know, but
2: double or nothing. Even if it went well, from the information we we're given by Samantha, I do not think that relationship would go the distance. You could be right. You could be right. Certainly, I think own. it probably. Maybe. I think you're right, though. I think it accelerated the breakup.
3: Five years, though, guy. It's not nothing. And she's just like, you know what, babe?
2: No more. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's true. He's just, he's just such a chiller. He's like, yeah, it's all good. He's probably in the back of his mind, <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a millionaire movie star. And if he's, if he's got any emotional intelligence, he's probably clocked that she's checking out of the relationship. Um, and has sort of probably done some emotional preparation for that. For that conversation because it you're right it doesn't take him off guard at all he's sort of like ah here it comes yeah here's the conversation i
3: knew was coming uh i, I wanted to mention that i'd also just like to uh, dig into with you my friend just how much money do we think mr big has uh, i hadn't uh, wh- started thinking about this again until the scene where he buys the apartment and he just says i'll take care of it Like he's, as Carrie rightly says, like he's picking up a check at a restaurant for some multi-million-dollar
2: penthouse apartment. How much fucking money does this dude have? Yeah, it's not insignificant sum. Um, Whoa, it's it's got to be like he's he's got to be in the hundreds of millions if he's picking that penthouse up without batting an eyelid, isn't it? It doesn't break a sweat. That's got to beg the question. How has he accumulated such a vast amount of wealth, and at what cost? Because, you know, you can guarantee, what do I say, a, 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 a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, I don't think of Big as a rising tide. I think of him as sort of quite an invasive boat that's come into <laughs> harbour and just sort of taken what, a- what he wants. I want to do this in a
3: conversation tomorrow. Introduce a metaphor and then explain why it's the wrong one. Yeah, you know they say the, the <laughs> kettle shouldn't call the pot black, but here's why that doesn't apply to what we're discussing right now. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a, I love it. It's a it. hot new technique. <laughs> That's everyone's homework, folks. If you listen to this conversation, get out there, find the most obscure, but you know slightly known. Uh, saying that exists, and then tell people why well, it doesn't apply to the conversation you've just introduced it to. Here's the other thing about Big Guy; he leaves his writing of the vows to the very last moment, like it's the night before his wedding, and he rings Carrie saying, "I'm here trying to write the vows," which has added more fuel on the fire for me. More
2: evidence that the man is illiterate. Yeah, I. Um, that's fair. I don't, to be to be honest, uh, I don't, I don't know that writing your vows the night before is a bad decision. I think that that's probably when you've got the greatest amount of emotion swirling through you. Uh, the scary part, I guess, is that he's he's struggling against it, which would suggest that uh, he's he's living in fear of the, um, of the union, and the the scope of the event, but, uh, he is a fucking real he's an enigma isn't he this guy's a man of mystery hundreds of millions of dollars cannot read nor write yeah uh i mean how do you how do you imagine he's made his his, he's amassed this this fortune uh without those sort of basic skills i think we underestimate the
3: power of a man who has certain skills in connecting people and making calls. I think if you if you can get on the phone and you can get a secretary to set it up so there's speed dials, so you don't even need to be able to read numbers, you just know that top left button is Carrie, but bottom left is Merrill Lynch and the VP who you deal with, and you just sort of have CNBC uh, on to get a sense of how things are headed based on the talking heads, but and then just make some big calls.
2: It's no guarantee of uh, making money. You know, you might occasionally get lucky, but that you're essentially spinning a spinning a roulette wheel. Mate, of course,
3: Th- this is what I'm putting his wealth down to. Just you've nailed it.
2: Uh, what unrelenting good luck?
3: Yeah, and uh, yeah, but you've got to also make your own opportunities for that luck to exist. You know. Like, not a lot of people would have the confidence in themselves to both be illiterate, but also be making tens of millions of dollars bets on the derivatives market. But most people aren't Mr. Big.
2: John Preston. This is it.
3: James John Preston. His name is my name also.
2: Yeah. How do you think he... I'm just imagining him uh, wading into meetings, maybe not as the senior figure he is now, but as a junior or uh, certainly as someone who's working his way up the ranks. And they go, all right, everyone, we're at the AGM here. Who's read the you know, the year-long report? And everyone goes, yeah, yeah. And they go, all right, uh, John, maybe you could start us off with uh, your findings from what you've read. What does he say? This is where he excels, though. This is where the man
3: comes to eat. If he had to read a paragraph from it, that would be no good, but he's so good, I think he would just direct them and say, Gentlemen, we've all got the report. We've all read the report. It would be a waste of your time to reiterate what you already have. Here's what I think about the future direction
2: of this company.
3: This is how the man operates.
2: John, I'm, but, I'm really going to have to ask you to just tell us what you thought about the report that we've all just read. Here's what I think about the
3: report. I think it's, uh, I think there's good stuff in there. Um, and like all reports, we've got to take the nuggets... We're going to take those truths and we've got to run with them. We've got to recontextualize this. This was written a long time ago. This was written last yeah. week. So we, that's so, that's in the markets, a century. You, you gentlemen understand what I'm saying. What, are the, what are the
2: nuggets to which you're referring, John?
3: Synergy. You know? Synergy. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, there was a big chunk in there in synergy.
3: Okay, sorry. I, I don't Bring know why I was together. skeptical.
2: Tell us your big ideas.
3: Here's, let me just get this book where I've them all down. But please, uh, Jesus you know, Christ. I, that I is just want to
2: Barely me. a book. What you have there does not necessarily constitute a book, John.
1: I want
3: to let you know that if you're seeing some things that look a little freaky to you, both the nature of the tome itself and also the uh, drawings which are contained within, I need you to understand that you know when people found da vinci's notebook they were very confused by the scrollings they were written on there as well and that motherfucker invented the helicopter so here's one idea from my book that i've captured uh based on the feeling i got from the report um guys what do we know about rats they fucking multiply like you wouldn't believe i think we need to start farming them and instead of looking at this as a huge threat it's an opportunity we've got to move it in that swot analysis shift the columns we're going to start farming rats and harvesting them
2: for their fur and meat john i'm going to stop you there because that is the most brilliant idea i have ever heard in my life yes thank you brava thank you so much Thank you. Are we going to peddle the meat and furs as rat meat and furs? Or are we going to... Absolutely uh... not.
3: I, absolutely not. You couldn't dream of doing that. This is New York City. The people would be in conniptions over the thought of being served rat meat. So here's what we're going to tell them.
2: It's duck. <laughs> and the fur?
3: Also Duck. duck. Also, Doug, you've got it. You've got it in one. Well, I
2: see this no reason, why reason to be skeptical of this. we're at the top, baby.
3: That's yeah, true. You gentlemen and I, we're on the same wavelength. We're operating at a very high frequency. Now, let's well, go farm some rats. I hope this meeting's given you the confidence to buy whatever you see fit to buy. This is actually um, part of the origin story of Brady as well. And while we're talking about <laughs> Brady, can I just get into the middle bit of the pool with my shining light
2: mm.
3: him saying i've got to go to the bathroom at dinner uh quite early on when steve and magda are there as well um very funny stuff because if you you look at his face he's like it changes in an instant and it is the look of a young boy uh, who has either just or is just about to shit yeah. his pants
2: it's your classic, I need to go to the bathroom, when the real sentence is, I've just gone to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I needed to have gone to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah.
3: Would be the grammatically accurate portrayal of that story.
2: Um, but yeah, it cracked me up, man. It's funny stuff. Oh, that's nice. Do you want to know my Shining Light Singers are here? Yeah. I want, want to, to give a huge shout out to Art Department and Props. Uh, when Carrie sees the... The Vogue has hit the shelves, and she yes. buys it, and she says, uh, I didn't want to buy it, but it was one less Vogue in New York. There's a um, a, a cluster of leaves that blows into frame um, from the, the right-hand side as she's marching down the sidewalk carrying her Vogue with a very determined, steely look in her eyes. And uh, all I can see when I see that shot is just, you know... Uh, a, a poorly paid intern at the top of a ladder with a bucket of leaves. Maybe it was the last thing they shot on the whole film. Who's to say? But it does feel like the budget was getting pretty thin. Uh, and they were going, are you sure we don't need the leaves? And they were going, no, 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 we, we, don't worry, we're going to do the leaves. And they're like, well, this is our last take, so, you know, if, if you don't think it's going to look good, just don't do the leaves because everyone's got a rat. We've got to get out of here, otherwise we're paying overtime. And Props goes, we're, we're, we're going to do the leaves. Uh, and... I mean, to me, it looks pretty obvious that there's just a handful of semi-wet leaves that they've put in a bucket and tipped out. And uh, you can imagine Mattress Pikelet King going, Fuck! (laughs) Well, that's a wrap. Uh, (laughs) And it's just... I guess we've got leaves in
3: the film now, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I hope you're happy,
2: Rachel. I really, really enjoyed it. Good show. while, While we're here... Uh, I've got two sort of almost um, eth- ethical questions. Now, the first mm. one is uh, Carrie's, Carrie's on the phone to Samantha. Yeah, Carrie is a successful writer. I mean, we know this. She owns a, a nice apartment. She lives a certain quality of life that is uh, far beyond the riches of most of us. You know, she's doing all right. She's on the phone to Samantha. I can't remember exactly what they're discussing, uh, but Samantha's in LA and she's walking around a bookshop on the phone to her and uh, at the conclusion of the phone call Carrie has picked up one of her own books and swapped it out for someone else's book on like one of those display stands so you know where they're like promoting maybe a new <laughs> release or a new author she takes her that's book that's awesome uh, what do we What do we think of that? do we think that she's stand, she's standing on people to maintain her reputation or we, we think that that's just a good bit of fun
3: I think it's a um, it's a bit of honesty, it's a bit of integrity in the film for that character because it doesn't matter how high up the chain you get. Who among us, if you had your own product, wouldn't bloody shut that to the front of the shelves? You know, I reckon mm. that's just wonderful and exactly what a writer would do. It's
2: nice. Uh, I I've 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 wavered week to week so. Uh, it's good to have your take. I think ultimately you're right. I think when I get frustrated by it, I'm not frustrated by the practice so much as the character. Uh, And I'm inclined to agree. The other question I have for you is sort of based around... uh, Guy. Yeah?
3: Be real. You'd do that. You'd swap him out.
2: Uh, I'd I'd check. She doesn't even look at what book she's swapping out though you do it she doesn't even know whose pedestal she's bumping onto you know y- mate you'd swap it out for the bible you'd well, yeah, I'd swap it out for the bible no worries I, think the, I don't think the, I don't know who gets the profits from the bible but I, I think that they're doing alright that's a good question it must be the publishing house who's that and then why why aren't we all just printing bibles best selling book why on the market aren't all, why aren't we all in
3: there there seems to be a lot of versions. Maybe we just get our own one and go control F, find and replace like one word. And then it's our version. It's the Guy Montgomery version of the Bible, like the King James one.
2: Replace one word throughout the entire Bible. So replace God yeah. with Mr. Big.
3: <laughs> sure. Or fucking like the to the or whatever. You know, just make one change and then it's your version of it. And right? Mr. Big said, let there be light.
2: And there was, and it was good. And yeah. then you got fucking rich. Well, I mean, certainly we might have stumbled into a pretty interesting and lucrative side business here. Uh, well, Is I've got, it time I've... to shut down the podcast guy? Is this the future for
3: us? Tim and Guy, the Bible guys. Uh, <laughs> that, I th- that name didn't.
2: I I didn't like it. you can do it. better than that. No, no. The, <laughs> the whole thing's gone down the fucking tubes on account of that. Uh, God damn uh, it. Yep. The other question I have is when they're they're looking at Carrie's website. I think it's um, who isn't? It's it's her and I think Saint Louise who's saying it's a bloody disaster. And uh, Carrie's got her fancy shoes. It's, I guess it's her house. It's her Chaise Lounge, but she's got them right up there and she's scuffing up the material. What are your thoughts on shoes indoors? Shoes on the couch? Shoes on the Chaise Lounge? In this order, shoes. Uh, uh, fuck, let me take that
3: again. Shoes inside, fine, in all circumstances. The one where it's not is if you've got hard wooden floors, some hard shoes on, and someone's trying to sleep. What Apart about... That, this, is,
2: this is in your home, right? Mm. Is, you abide the rules uh, set by other, other people at their homes. I will follow
3: the protocol. If I yeah. see some doors by the the front door, you better believe I'm taking my laces off as soon as I see that. I'll Even if you're wearing high tops or those
2: hiking boots you like to wear, they're a real pain to get on and off. You know, once you put those on for the day, you'd like to think that's it.
3: Yeah, that's true. But I'd um, rather spend the 45 seconds relacing than uh, perform a social faux pas. So so you're right. In my car, so, you know, shoes, shoes are real good. The Shades Lounge, though, I'm with you, mate. I, well, I'm, I'm with... What I think is going to be your take on this? You can't, you can't chuck those
2: on the couch. Even if it's, it's your own done. chaise lounge, it just shows that you've lost touch uh, with civilized society, or, or you know, uh, you're, you're devaluing something that I assume cost quite a, quite a bit of tin. Having a chaise
3: lounge in your establishment, you're on the cusp already. You're on the crest of the wave, and you are you are this close to losing your grip and if you get shoes on you're gone like you are the one percent at that point and when the revolution comes the defining line is going to be between those who have a chaise lounge and those who put their own shoes on their own chaise lounge,
2: chaise lounge.
3: fun to say that's bernie's revolution mate that's that's the defining red line in the sand
1: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Now, you let me know when you're ready to get into
2: the deep end of the pool, Guy. I don't want you to thrust this on me. I want to be trying, you know, is there any scarier feeling less so in a Mm -hmm. pool, more so in open water, you're swimming around, uh, you, you know, you, you think that you're still within your comfort zone or that you can sort of, you know, treat the water as your own and you go to put your feet down so that you're, you're planted and you're firm and you're solid. And, uh, you reach down and what's that? You're not even your toes are touching the bottom, and then you sort of oh, you sc- you scurry and you flurry and you start kicking around. You're like, well, if that's not the bottom, where's the bottom? And what in God's green earth's underneath me? Well, it's not going to be anything from God's green earth. It's going to be a bloody fish, uh, God's blue earth. But I, that's what I want. That's to That's not experience. God's domain at
3: that point either. That, and you're right to be fearful because now we're in Neptune's house. You know, we're not we're not in God's house anymore. Is Neptune uh ubiquitous across
2: all religious texts? So it's my understanding of the Oh of wow the fellow. I love that. Is he a vengeful God? They all
3: are, I guess. Neptune strikes me as a more ambivalent character. God slightly petty from what I've read in someone's version of the Bible, but you know, people are just changing them and printing their own to make money these days. So I don't know how trustworthy the text is but neptune just seems like he'll gladly wipe you out if you're in his way or anything but he does he also won't hold a grudge yeah you know
2: he's not that kind of guy i feel like i don't know i mean i i think it's a generous estimation to me the guy feels like he'd definitely hold a grudge neptune would roman think? roman gods are freaky gods man yeah they love like creating half gods, half people, and having sex with them. And then if they if they look at them There's wrong a... over tea, they're like, "Ah, oh, well, I am going to fucking, <laughs> you know, you are going to go and do a bunch of shitty jobs. You are going to do errands it's for a, the rest of your a, life." And it's not like oh, pick up and drop stuff. off my dry cleaning. It's like oh, the errand I am going to give you is to is it someone who delegates that boulder to push up a hill every day. Like it's you barely an it. errand. Yeah, s- who does that? It's s- a terrible s- errand. Sosophus, s- s- I don't know. So, so who is I, so, that? Who pushes the boulder i I'm gonna look it up. You you keep talking to me. As you slowly as you slowly walk me into the deep end of the pool. All right, I was just gonna say that there's a there's there
3: is a lot of weird sex stuff with those gods.
2: And Sisyphus, it's not just the Romans Sisyphus. it's the Greeks.
3: Sisyphus
2: S I S Y P H U S
3: He did something to anger them that got him that boulder duty though, right? Like he did something
2: wrong yeah he was so and then he got his insides pecked out by a bird from memory it was so he he was a king and he uh he truly believed himself to be smarter or more clever than uh zeus himself and so zeus said oh yeah well if you're so smart uh how about a bit of this how about you push that fucking rock up a hill for the rest of your life and he's like this isn't fair (laughs) the dumbest activity it's not like an iq test or a game of chess i saw a funny uh funny cartoon in the in a magazine recently uh it was is it atlas whose job it is to hold up the entire world and it's yeah. him and his partner uh like they're i think walking home or maybe they've been to the grocery store and he's holding the entire globe on his back and then he's also got like just a bag of groceries pinched under it and his partner's like, "God, oh, don't be a fucking hero. <laughs> share the share the line.
3: <laughs> That's nice, and in a solid message for us all. Guy, okay, um, do you remember the bit of the movie where we find out that Carrie and Mister Big's wedding has made it to page six of uh-huh. the paper? Uh huh. Don't think we even named that paper. Um. Well, I took a little screenshot of this. I'm just going to do a slight readjustment so I can actually read this from the screen because the text ain't that big. So we've got, um, on the extreme left-hand side, bestseller Bliss, the ultimate single girl Carrie Bradshaw will be married in uh, Manolis. What does that mean? To New York financier John James Preston come forward, uh, proving to single girls everywhere... That there can be a happy ending after 40. That's fine. Uh, Describing what's happening in the movie. All good. I'm always interested to see what they put in to fill out the rest of the paper. You know? It's always an interesting wrinkle when you've got to chuck a lot of text up on screen. What do they mock up? They've included the article just to the right in full scope, full view of the camera... A JFK conspiracy putting forward that Lyndon Baines Johnson is right at the center of responsibility of a small cabal of people for the demise of JFK, one of the greatest American presidents ever. And it's all about a a man called uh, E. Howard. Um, It says, and if I muddle this a bit, it's quite hard to read. E. Howard, the shadowy former CIA man who organized the Watergate break-in and was once eyed in the assassination of President Kennedy, bizarrely says that Lyndon Johnson could be seen as a prime suspect in the rub-out. Interesting word, rub-out. Only the most far-out conspiracy theorists believe in scenarios like Hunt's. But in a new memoir, American Spy, My Secret History in the CIA, Watergate and Beyond, out in April, Hunt, aged 88, writes, quote, Having Kennedy liquidated, thus elevating himself to the presidency without having to work for it himself, could have been a very tempting and logical move on Johnson's part. The article goes on, Guy, but I won't bore you with the details. But it is amazing to me. That is the article they decided to include in this mocked-up
2: newspaper they had to make. So I've done a quick Google, and uh, I've I've stumbled into a Rolling Stone article entitled The Last Confession of E. Howard Hunt, published on April 5th, 2007. Yes, boy. I was reading about this earlier today. Take me there. Well, I mean, by all accounts, it feels like they were going for... Obviously, the JFK assassination isn't necessarily current affairs, but digging back into it, um, you know, maybe they were like, <clears throat> what would be on it? What's what is in a paper, you know, this week? And then, is this, I don't know, is this a little, is this a Hansel and Gretel trail? Is Mattress Pikelet King, you know, beyond making this? Mattress King. I think there's there's a lot of people in Hollywood they
3: are all connected and, uh, you know, they know things. Hollywood people, do they know things? What do they know? Let's find out. I think that Mattress (laughs) (laughs) Parklet King knows a lot more than he's been letting on through his career with Sex and the City about the demise of the great President Kennedy.
2: You think Sex sex and the City are these uh, quite large flares or um, sort of sos type messages that he has constructed uh if only there was some sort of uh analogy from greek mythology which could describe the practice of building a giant construct in which you mask your true intentions but alas i suppose that that will have to wait for another lifetime
3: guy think of a horse and now i think of a tree tim this is no time for you to
2: distract me from my
3: mission no you're right you're right but it is interesting. So this guy is real. This is a real dude. Um, he did die, and his uh, a couple of his sons on his deathbed... Sorry, a couple of his sons claim that on his deathbed, he actually confessed to knowing um, about the plot quite intimately. But then two other of his kids and his widow, who I think wasn't their mother, um, has come out and said that they were just some money-grabbing uh, hucksters, you know, trying to cash in on their... Oh their dad's infamy
2: that's not a bad play from
3: the kids it's not bad eh? so this guy e howard whatever his name is he you know had his suspicions but the sons took it a lot further just to to
2: try and sell some books oh, yeah, their oh, yeah, own yeah pockets. Dad. oh absolutely and the moon landing's false and while we're all here jet fuel can't melt steel beams look at building seven Quite enough of that. <laughs> it's good that it's in there. It's good that it's in there. It is nice. Uh, if we are, if we are reading screenshots from the film, this is one I picked up uh, a little while ago. So when you know they do the the beautiful overview, they say, "Here are our characters for the story we're about to tell," for you know those of us who might not have watched the series but are at the cinema, and uh, she describes Charlotte York, and uh, as she describes Charlotte York. There's a you know because she uses her friends as fuel for her career. We get a brief glimpse at um one of the chapters from one of Carrie's books, maybe Manhattan, maybe something else. Uh, and this is this is the 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 finished article. This is the published book, you know, presented as such. And uh, I'll read read for the, for this from you what I can. Uh, so that it says something at the top. uh you know, I, I can't make it out. Then it says, Trey McDougall was Charlotte York's dream man. Handsome, da-la-la. La. Well, two out of three ain't bad. It was a perfect sunny day in June. So it's describing their wedding. I had sex with her. You're late. I've been done talk to you. Uh, they start. It goes on and on. It's like a paragraph. And then the last sentence of the paragraph is, hey, what are we talking about? I said, Miranda nodded. Have you got a mint? I have major coffee breath. And then beneath that, Carrie, in a classic play, uh, actually, I don't know if this is a classic play. Like, This is the sort of thing you'd do if you were in a first-year university, like, if you had to submit a first-year paper for philosophy and you're like, fuck, I haven't done the work. And so you just copy and paste the exact same paragraph as the first one 10 times and you email it in as an attachment and your tutor goes, oh, uh, weird thing happened. When you turned in your essay, it was just the same paragraph over and over and you go, oh, uh, oh, 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 that weird must have been an internet glitch. Do you remember that sweet period in life when you could just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the internet must have fucked it up. It's only about
3: three years that people were remotely getting away with it, but it was a a golden time to be at university,
2: I would think. Well, this is roughly the same timeline whereby Carrie was publishing books. So is it just, it is a copy and pasted
3: paragraph is what you're treated to on screen. Over and over and over in perpetuity. Just... Take the fucking twenty-five minutes to come up with something. You're
2: a screenwriter, or you know? in- if you don't have the time, increase the font size. No one's gonna yep, that too. No one's gonna pause it and be like, "What? Who prints a book in twenty-four point?" I mean, we probably will, but they will. <laughs> they will pause it and have you up on the repetition. Yeah. Uh, so I tell you what. I mean, while what we're doing is probably not of interest to, hmm, anyone else? Mm, anyone? It certainly feels like we're making some pretty powerful inroads into this deep end of the pool. There's one last
3: thing. Let's get out of the deep end. Let's chill out at the shallow end um, with a G&T in hand. Which is that we haven't mentioned yet the fact that Smith Garrett, who is later revealed to be a mystery bidder at an auction that the gals are at where Samantha's got her heart set on this beautiful ring uh, and and she does she's bidding against someone for it she really wants it and it turns out to be Smith has bought it for her fuck man how much money did they waste going up against each other for her to ultimately get it anyway like $40,000 the bidding started at 10 grand there isn't a iota of interest from anyone else in the auction house Except for that one person betting on Smith's behalf and Samantha, how fucking rorted did they get? Um,
2: I agree, but for, you know the the good fortune of their uh, financial circumstance appears to be not that they've burned an extra you know thirty k on this, frankly, you know, pretty gauish, it's garish, uh, ring, but it's that. What it represents to Samantha is a lack of independence. I mean, how sound are they doing? What does their joint bank account look like? If it's not like, oh my god, we just spent thirty thousand dollars, but it's like, oh my god, just let me buy my ring. <laughs> also, that what really shat me about You're what not communicating sh- well. What what shat me about that is Charlotte's is Charlotte never been to an auction before? Her obsession with someone being on the phone is like, well, that's not fair. Dude, I've never been to an auction before, but I wouldn't be shocked to see that because I've
3: read a fucking book or seen a TV show in my damn life. Her general crazy shouted upbringing,
2: her obsession with like order and rules, just it drives me up the wall. I don't know that Charlotte. She is guy. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't know how she's written in the show, but her her, as she's represented in the movies, she is uh, one of the last people I'd like to be in a corner with at like a barbecue or a dinner party it's like you know sometimes you're you you get caught talking to someone and in the back of your mind you're like oh fuck the sort of person who as soon as you start looking around at the other conversations you're like oh how has everyone else got so much to talk about i mean i am really out here right now
3: i think you're being very harsh on charlotte i'd love to have a little convo with her at a bbq i think it'd be delightful what is what common ground do you share possibly none and in there lies the fantastic and rich conversation before us exchanging cultural identities filling in each other's gaps you know finding out what it is like to live on the other side of that beautiful white do you
2: know i and i say this with nothing but love and respect for you tim i don't think charlotte would give you the time of day i i genuinely don't think like i think they didn't feel loving or respectful you'd ask her a question she'd answer she'd either sense that you're not worth asking a question back to or ask you a question. Oh, guy. You would say, oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm from New Zealand. I live in Auckland with my beautiful wife. And she'd say, uh, oh, okay, that's lovely. I'm just going to, um, are you okay for a drink? I'm just going to go and top up my bubbles. And you'd be like. I am a sparkling conversationalist. You know this about me. I don't doubt that. I would that. definitely be able to, I would be able to hold court with, with I Charlotte, whatever last I, name is. I, 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 there's no one I'm happier to be sided up next to at uh, any social event. But I'm telling you, 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 Charlotte York would not give you the time of day. And the fact that you... It's its kind of embarrassing, the fact that you uh, you desire her conversation so badly. I would... Well, I do now
3: because you've told me that I would be unable to obtain it. You know? Really shut the value up. But I guess we'll never know because she's a fake character that I'm going to be watching... <laughs> On a small or large screen for the next fuck, who knows? Six months of my life? Yeah. Well it's late where you are and it's early where I am. I can't tell you how late it is except to say that it's twelve twenty eight AM. And it's eight thirty AM here. What can I look forward to today, Tim? Guy Montgomery, the 4th of September has started off
2: uneventful and dark, I want possibly re- because it's the middle of the night. I want a review of the 3rd of September. It's uh, Labor Day here in America. Ah, well,
3: here's your opportunity to put on all those white clothes you're so crazy about wearing, because you must put them back in the cupboard after today. For how long? I don't know. All
2: right. But here's my review of the 3rd. It's groovy. Cool. A well, lot to look forward to. Well, have mm. a great and restful sleep. Um, don't take that stuff about Charlotte too hard. I don't, mate.
3: I, I know you say it with love and respect, even though it sounds like the opposite. Hey, can
2: I just say, Tim, with nothing but love and respect? Yeah. Fuck you, my dude. Can I just say that there is. A,
3: like, are you familiar with the concept of a Trojan horse? Because that comment wasn't anything like a Trojan horse. I'm just a fucking idiot who introduces metaphors that don't make any sense and then backpedals immediately. I've been Tim back. Good night, everyone. i got no
2: idea what a Trojan horse is.
0: We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out. I feel him out. And uh, we go for it.